Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. All right, I got some new cables, and I think it sounds good. I also had to restart everything, kind of from scratch. No big deal. Let's see how things go from here on out. From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In. The Craft Beer Show, bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm your host, Dom, and this is episode number 179. And this week we are drinking from Timber Ales and the 8th State Cosm of Darkness, which is a 12% ABV Imperial Double Stout. And boy, oh boy, does it pack a punch. I think I can only have one of these, so I cracked it open here and I wrote down my notes so I don't miss out on anything in terms of what this beer has to offer. I mean, I haven't been on here in a a week or two, I think, which means we have a plethora of beer news to get into. Uh, You know, I hope everyone had a fantastic Oktoberfest. We have a great year of beer ahead of us. It's going to be really fantastic. There are a ton of articles for me to try to get through. I haven't even lined them up. I have to kind of pick as I go to see what makes it. Well, Jesus Christ, excuse me. What makes it onto um, the docket, so to speak, and what does not. So I had to re, I had to bring this uh, this thing back to factory settings. So um, I may screw up the music a little bit because the colors are all fucked up, but. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be okay, so don't panic. Don't freak out. Um, Oh, wait a minute. Which one's for the hops? Okay, there we go. Um, Yeah, I hope I sound better. I got the new cables and stuff. Reset the whole thing on the the device I'm recording into, so hopefully I sound good and everything's okay with that. Great. So, yeah, I've been gone for a little while. I I got some allergies still going on. I'm going to start taking Claritin, which is a non-drowsy... Um, allergy pill to try to help me with my allergies. I'd be sneezy, I'd be coughy, and then people think I got COVID. I don't have COVID. Everything's fine. No big deal. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to move on. So um, let's just dive right into the show because, like I said, I got a lot of articles here I want to get into, and I really want to review this beer because I'm only going to do the one. Maybe I should review the beer now. Or is that one? No. No, that's a finale type thing. I'm going to sip this beer along, make sure I have enough left. I have enough left in the glass to do a review, but I am only going to do one because it is 12% and it is a fucking doozy. And it's also a beer that I don't think I can have another one of. That's how rich and crazy it is. But yeah, so it's a collaboration of Timber Ales in the eighth state. Uh, Timber Ales is out of New York, New York, and the eighth state is from South Carolina. There isn't a lot to, to like, like these breweries are mainly on Instagram and stuff. So there isn't much to uh, kind of um, showcase uh, with uh, with what we got going on here. But Cosmo Darkness got beautiful fucking artwork on the can. It's a a, a, a painting of Lower Manhattan by by uh, uh, from the side of the the Brooklyn side of the Brooklyn Bridge. Just the the view of it from there. So it's an imperial stout aged aged on vanilla beans and c- cassia bark. Um, so that's a bit interesting. I mean, it caught my eye. It's intriguing. This is still from the Joe Canal part of my um, pure, pure curations. And it's a 12% ABV. So it's a it's a heavy hitter and it's a stout. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But like I said, 
Uh, Timber Ayers and the uh, Timber Ales, they don't even have a website, and the Eighth State has no, has a website, but it's it's one of those fancy schmancy New Age websites where like when you scroll, the whole page like morphs and shit, and I just don't have time for that. But Cosm of Darkness is an imperial stout brewed in collaboration with our friends from the Eighth State Brewing Company. This beer has been aged on Ugandan vanilla beans and cassia bark. Uh, before being canned for your enjoyment. So a very short description about the beer here, and um, I'm going to get into it in more detail when it's time for me to do the beer review portion of the show. But um, without any further ado, we're going to jump right in here, and I'm going to do the hop of the week, ladies and gentlemen. And this week we are doing a hop called Defender Hops. Um, Defender Hops uh, has an interesting uh, heritage, bred from a New Mexico wild American female, Eastwell Golding, and other English hops. It was selected in the early 1960s by Dr. R.A. Nev at Y College in England. Uh, despite its significant humulene, and ferrocene content, don't know what that is, and I, it's a, the Defender's very low alpha percentage and low yield potential has significantly hindered its uh, commercial viability. It, uh, it may show promise in breeding, though, with high alpha to beta ratio, and it is said to imp- impart a pleasant European-style aroma. So this isn't a very popular hop uh, because it is, yes, mainly for aroma because uh, it does have the low alpha acid composition of 3.3% to 6%. And as we know, you're not going to get any bitterness unless you hit about, you know, 7 to, to 10% and up. So a lot of the hops that we've been talking about on the hop um, of the show or hop of the week, as we've gone through the weeks and the episodes, uh, you know that those high alpha acid composition uh, hops are the main players in our IPAs and the like. So this one is just mainly for... Uh, aroma and and that's it when it comes to the hops um i do want to just keep plowing through here but maybe i'll just take a moment to um say wait i oh what was i gonna say i had something lined up fucking forgot but anyway i'll tell you this though um before i jump into the news of the um of the last couple weeks um i'm officially a dad now yes as you know i have a daughter and she's well over a year old now but yesterday, I was at a little birthday party for uh, my wife's goddaughter, who just turned three years old, and there was there was kids there and stuff, and there was like a bouncy castle in their backyard, uh, in in kind of a rural part of New Jersey. So very widespread. Everyone was kind of like within uh, you know uh, uh, six feet apart, all that stuff. So, um, but the kids were in the bouncy house. And they're bouncing aggressively. I mean, a lot of bouncing going on. And I'm adulting on the deck, talking to people and stuff. And I and I turn and look at the castle, and I see one of the older kids. I think he's about uh, 12 years old. He just choke slams the living shit out of this six year old. And, and I witness it happening. And there's a big crash, and other kids like fall into the into the vacuum of the 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 uh, bouncy castle that got uh, hit with the the slam. And I look over and I go, hey. No, no body slamming in there. And I turned back to the deck and I look at everyone and they're looking at me. And I said, oh, my God, that's like the very first time I've ever said, in all honesty, because all other times it was probably me joking around. That was the first time I ever said a parenting thing, like a dad thing. Like I used to be the person when I was much younger, of course, 
to encourage the body slamming, if not partake in the body slamming myself. Whether or not in a bouncy castle or anywhere else, now if I try to do that, I'll tear my meniscus for certain and probably other cartilages and um, cartilages and um, ligaments. So there it is, guys. I, I officially, I mean, I sat there and I was like, wow. I mean, it was like kind of like, a, not kind of like a wow, I'm an old guy moment, but kind of like a, here I am now. Like this would, this would have never been uttered by me in the past. Holy mackerel, what a beer. So there's that. That's all I have to say about that. And um, let's get um, let's get right into this news here, shall we, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. Uh, so this first one here, it, it has to be brought up because it's, again, one of the... Um, this is going to be the direction that the market's going in, so it's something that I think everyone should be aware of as we move forward, especially uh, since the market share of craft beer is being squeezed a little bit right now by the COVID-19 pandemic. Coca-Cola to enter a U.S. alcoholics, U.S. alcoholic for the alcoholics drink market with Colson Moore's tie-up. It's right here. It's a hard seltzer. It's got that silver can look to it, and it says here from ReutersAgain.com. Uh, there will be more than just fizz when Coca-Cola Company launches the alcoholic version of Topo Chico, Topo Chico sparkling water, along with beer giant Molson Coors beverage. In the United States, it will be the beverage giant's first alcoholic drink in the country. So I wonder if we go on, they've done it before somewhere else. The launch plan for next year will help Coca-Cola push further into alcoholic drinks and expand its market beyond Latin America and Japan, where it sells lemon dew drink. So, okay, as we've now learned, uh, Coca-Cola was serving alcoholic um, beverages for sale, obviously, in Latin America and Japan. Coca-Cola brought the Topo Chico brand in 2017 from its second largest bottling partner in Latin America, Arca Continental. For, uh, for Molson Coors, the launch is expected to strengthen its portfolio of low-alcohol spirits, including hard seltzers, which have uh, been seen having a surging demand, which we've uh, obviously have seen. Molson Coors said on Tuesday that it would roll out Topo Chico in the first half of 2021, its third hard seltzer, to hit the shelves. The low-calorie drink will compete with the popular White Claw beverage as well as the other hard seltzers from companies including InBev. Uh, Molson Coors said last month uh, that it tied up its... It tied up with uh, Yingling and Son to brew uh, and sell Yingling beers on the West Coast in, off, in efforts uh, to boost its business. Molson Coors shares went up about uh, 4% in early trading uh, with this announcement. So, uh, you know, not late to the party uh, in terms of Molson Coors, but the fact that uh, you see uh, Coca-Cola jumping into the, uh, throwing their hat into the ring, that seems pretty interesting um, that uh, that's what's happening here. Now, what's this article here? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to read that one. I'm not going to read that one. Um, let's check this one out here. This is a pretty interesting one. Um, how Mexican loggers captured the craft beer world's imagination. This is pretty interesting. And here are the nine of their favorites. And this is from Thrillist.com. Meredith Hall writes... And I don't think I've ever heard of any of these ones here. Uh, defining the Mexican lager as a category is surprisingly difficult. Even the Brewers Association, the industry's leading authority on style and guidelines, 
doesn't officially differentiate Mexican-style lagers from other lagers of the same general build. Neither does the Oxford Companion to Beer, another respected source. But ask the average drinker. I'm the average drinker. You could ask me. And they're quick to name any of the numerous macro brands dominating the import market, such as Corona, Tecate, Modelo, Dos Equis, Sol, Pacifica, and the list goes on. And while these big boys still dictate the basic rules of play, more and more craft breweries are trying their hand at perf... Oh, here's an ad. Fuck you. Jesus Christ. Just kills my momentum. I'm in the middle of the text. A video just pops up and just shit, just shits in my hat. While these big boys are still dictating the basic rules of play, fucking video, more and more craft brewers are trying their hand at perfecting, perhaps even reshaping this timeless and undeniably crowd-pleasing style. I mean, I find this a little strange. I mean, I do know that Stone, fuck Stone, but I do know that Stone did the Otraves brew, and I think Sierra Nevada did something similar with a a Mexican-inspired beer, but I never really had any interest. But let's read a quote here from some of the people that are uh, in the article here. If I take a meatloaf, I could say it's Mexican meatloaf, right? If I make a meatloaf, I could say it's jokes Mexican-American brewer Javier Perez, one half of the husband-wife team behind Aurora Colorado's award-winning Chulina Brewery. In Mexico, you could make a Vienna lager, a Marzen, a Helles, an an alt beer, and it would be a Mexican lager, German-style lager made in Mexico, to me, that defines Mexican lager. Okay, I suppose. I mean, are you using the same ingredients? Are you using the same... If you're using those noble hops, like those German hops, you know, and the same malt profiles, you're not really making a Mexican lager. You are making a German lager. The fact that you're making it in Mexico doesn't mean you get to change the name. Although, I will say, champagne that's made in... Uh, France is called champagne, but if it's made anywhere else, it's called, um, it has to be called like sparkling wine. But furthermore, look at my brain doing a little work today. Furthermore, if you have a bourbon in New York, I mean, I see bourbons from Hudson Valley. They're not from Kentucky. You know, bourbon in Kentucky is, is bourbon, you know, and you know, that's how it got its name, but whatever. Who gives a shit? Craft brewed Mexican lagers reflect this fluid identity. At Chilena, Perez supplies thirsty Coloradans with a whole slew from them with, uh, from their best-selling lowrider, an easy-drinking refresher often served with a squeeze of lime. I guess that makes it, uh, you know, your uh, your Mexican part. And a, side, a sidecar of house-made michelada mix to maltier options such as Carmelita, a Vienna lager. Notice it's a Vienna lager. In, imbued with toasty caramel notes and crisp finish. Yeah, that's a Vienna lager. It's like liquid bread without the sugar, nice and dry, Perez says. All right, he's just describing the the beer, describing the golden-hued lowrider. The hops should be pretty mild, even though they cut through the sweetness of the pale malts. This guy is, is basically doing three beers in, talking about his beers, I mean, as if they're general beers. They're general beers. You're not, you can't just call it a Mexican beer because... You, because you're brewing it and you're a Mexican person in Colorado. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a fucking draconian dude here, but I mean, to each his own, whatever you want, but but still. Uh, it's extremely popular. What does he say? Oh, over, over in South El Monte, a predominantly Latinx city in Southern California's San Gabriel Valley, Progress Brewing's Diego Benitez has won over scores of macro and export devotees with a top-shelf, beefed-up Mexican-style lager he calls Emiliano. 
It's extremely popular. We, re- uh, we literally can't keep it on tap, Benitez says. Okay, what's in it? A pioneer in the community, the Mexico City's native um, stateside craft venture was the area's first m- microbrewery when it opened in 2013. People here look for flavors and styles uh, they're familiar with. <coughs> so we use the same ingredients, but of a very high quality. We use German malt and top quality American corn, a little bit more flavor intensity, a little more hops, a multier profile, a little sweetness from the corn, and a little bit of extra kick uh, gets the job done better. Guys, I mean, I really don't, I mean, do not get me wrong. I do not want to sound like a piece of shit here, but all they're doing is taking Bitburger and adding a little bit more concentrated ingredients to it. I mean, take it, for example, this stout that I'm having right here. Anybody can make this stout, okay? Any brewer can sit down and 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 craft this stout on a piece of paper. But the reason this stout is so powerful, as we're going to get to later on the show, and the reason that it is so uh, strong is because they're beefing up the fucking ingredients. I mean, if you cut everything that was in this beer in half, you would have half the fucking flavor, okay? So, I mean... There's no fucking, there's no mystery here. Continuing on, as a wise man once said, there's no such thing as a new idea. Uh, Yeah, okay, the same principle applies to the beer. Okay, finally, they're kind of like saying what I'm saying here. These modern uh, craft riffs had to start somewhere, and that place so often is the case, is inextricably tied to politics? Hold the fuck on. During the mid-1800s, Mexico was ruled by Maximilian I, an an Austrian, so... In addition to Spanish breweries, Austrian breweries came to Austrian, excuse me, breweries came to the continent too. I believe the Austrians harvested yeast strains out of their beer barrels when they brought ships across, Perez says. And once they started reproducing their beer here, the yeast that stayed behind was basically German Austrian yeast. Mexican breweries kept propagating the same yeast, making the beer on the continent and calling it Mexican lager. Okay, so it's not Mexican lager. Because uh, the yeast is not indigenous to the country. Colorado Springs-based Atrevida Beer... Uh, now I sound like uh, fucking Mayor Bloomberg. Atrevida uh, Beer Company's Mexican-style lager takes on the same border-defying history and brings it to the 21st century with a distinctly revolutionary spin. The brainchild of head brewer and owner Jess Ferrero, Fierro, season one winner of Vice TV's brewing competition show Beerland, which I had no idea even existed. How dare I? Her intoxicatingly, her intoxicatingly smooth Dolores Huerta Mexican lager is a proud homage to its namesake agricultural rabble rouser. Jesus. My Mexican lager was a part of a six-beer series all inspired and named after bold, fearless women, Fierro explains. As Colorado's first Latina brewery owner, the fight for gender and racial equality has been the central of Atrevida's mission. Dolores Huerta is a Mexican-American activist who created the Agricultural Workers Association and co-founded the United Farm Workers of America. The beer is brewed with flaked corn harvested in its original form, the only uh, fitting way for the farmers to, to be respected. Okay? Uh, and we're going to go on and on here. It's, it just drones on and on. I don't I don't really see a lot here in terms of it's a it's a beer. I mean if you if you're if you're in Poland and you and you brew uh, a Hellas lager, it's not a Polish lager, right? 
Sorry, I had to make a cough there. It doesn't make it a Polish lager. If I make a, uh, if I in Staten Island brew uh, a, a Marzen down here, it's not a Staten Island Oktoberfest. It's an Oktoberfest beer. So I mean, great. I mean, whatever you you want to do and stuff like that, that's fine. But I mean, you're not reinventing the fucking wheel here, okay? And I really, I all do respect to the brewers involved and stuff like that. I don't, I really don't want to sound like some sort of a rube, but you know. It, I try to stay true to certain things, and one of them is um, trying to be uh, integral when it comes to beer, like craft beer. And, and, you know, if someone's looking at a Mexican lager and says, wow, this is really good, this is, the, this is a really good Mexican lager, and then they look at maybe like a German beer and they'll look at it differently, it's this same uh, sort of thing. So, you know, uh, you know, do, uh, you know. Do what you want with that. I, I just think it's a little uh, interesting. Uh, this article, I'm not going to read it because it's fairly long, but it is a good read, so I do recommend it to you people. So I'm going to make a note right here to make sure to share it to the Facebook. So hold on. Let me open up my my little my little uh, book here, and I'm going to make a note right here. Excuse me. Post, uh, post article. So we have here, uh, keep your damn juice. Oh, keep your juice out of my damn pilsner, okay? So I think that is going to be a really interesting, fun article that you guys can read uh, at your leisure, and I will post it on the, um, whatchamacallit, I'll post it on the uh, the website uh, proper. Next thing we have here from the Pensacola News Journal, and this is, this is from uh, 2020. I had to do a little bit of a double take here, but you know, whenever I come across a story, however local it is, we are a national an international show, so I do think it's very important to get these stories out there. We have here uh, something to go uh, for uh, Hurricane Sandy relief. So Perfect Plane is donating 100% of new recovery IPA proceeds to Hurricane Sandy relief, and it's unbelievable that we're still even talking about this, you know? Um, And again, this is from the Pensacola News Journal. Beginning Friday, you can support Hurricane Sally. Oh, Hurricane Sally. I thought it said Sandy. Ooh, excuse me. Excuse me, Hurricane Sally. My bad. Beginning Friday, you can support Hurricane Sally relief efforts in Pensacola by simply buying a can of locally brewed craft beer. Perfect Plain Brewing Company will soon stock up its tap room with 32-ounce crowlers, or it could be called howlers, of a New England-style IPA, also known as a Niepa, that uh, the downtown brewery is aptly naming uh, Recovery. It's a very plain can. Uh, so the message is not lost in it. Perfect Plane uh, owner D.C. Reeves and his staff will donate 100% of recovery's proceeds to a select couple of local organizations that Reeves said will focus entirely on aiding cleanup and recovery efforts in Pensacola, and each crowler sells for $15. Sally reached Category uh, 2 status on September 16th uh, when it hit Scambia County and left hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage in its wake. Uh, Here we have a quote here. We developed a platform by creating a local product that can get people excited. So we always look to do as much as we as much good uh, with what it is that we can do. It's a no brainer for us. It's a matter of how do we use this platform for of creativity to help the community when uh, we need it the most. And that's what we're always going to do. And this is from Reeves himself. The um, the the uh, uh, head uh, owner of the uh, of the place. It's brewed with Citra, Mosaic, and Galaxy Hop. Recovery has an alcohol 
uh, by volume of 8.3%, which is a pretty, that's a pretty doozy, said, and will be available exclusively uh, by the Crowler in the tap room at 50 East Garden Street. Cannot be bought online. You got to go there to get it. We're starting with Crowlers only, and we think uh, there will be some limited tap room sales, and it uh, gives their hours here. Uh, so if you're in the area and you can safely get to this brewery, this is going to a fantastic um, cause uh, because uh, of um, of this uh, you know this tragedy here. It's not not easy. What do we have here now? What do we got? Oh, here we go. I got to do this one because again, it's a it's a good story. It's a good um, uh, a message, and this is coming from ky keyt dot com, which is a local. I can't even tell whether where this is. See, like Fox 11, I don't know. Oh, it's from California, so beg your pardon. Uh, Slow, S-L-O, Brew, teams up with a nonprofit, Beer for Boob, uh, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is what we're in right now. Uh, it's called Cali Squeeze, Blood Orange Hefeweizen. Um, this is out of San Luis, uh, California. S-L-O, Brew, is partnering with a nonprofit, Beer for Boobs, to support breast cancer research and recovery organizations during the month of October. For Breast Cancer Awareness Month, SLO Brews uh, Blood Orange Cali Squeeze will feature pink packaging and draw attention for the cause. It is a really nice uh, packaging. It's got this bright pink and dark pink uh, like characteristic going on here. Since 2017, SLO Brew has teamed up with Beer for Boobs to promote breast cancer awareness. i got to take a sip of this beer. Hold on. Took too long. Last year, SLO raised over $5,000 to, to support uh, Beer for Boobs and fellow nonprofit organizations, says, uh, oh, like the Susan G. Komen's three-day 60-mile walk for a cure, the American Cancer Society, Ronald McDonald House, and some of my best friends are bald. Uh, organizations hope to uh, double last year's contribution uh, as to sell more craft beer in outlets and retailers nationwide and stocking those fridge. We have family, friends, and fans of SLO Brew that have been affected by breast cancer, says co-owner Hamish Marshall. We are proud to continue and partner with Beer for Boobs to help raise awareness for this great cause. And again, you can go to CaliSqueezeBeer.com for more information because the beer can be delivered. So you can get your hands on some of this brew uh, for this Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This is also, the NFL is doing, like, Cancer Awareness Month. They're saying, like, uh, catch a cure for cancer. Um, very important stuff. It's something that uh, we need to uh, we need to all be on board for. Uh, what do we have here? Here we got another one. This is great. So many great articles, and I'm just rambling them off like I'm, like I'm on fire right now. Here we go. Uh, Dogfish Head and indigo agriculture fight climate change with regen ale. This is from porchdrinking.com, one of my favorite websites. A lot of great articles on there. Uh, and this one here is Matthew Powers writes, let's see, how long is this one? I don't want to go too, too long, and it's small font, so I'll just ramble through and see where we get. Dogfish Head Craft Brewery is on a mission to fight climate change one beer at a time. And on September 19th, Dogfish Head and Indigo Agriculture, a company uh, intent on harnessing nature to help farmers sustainably feed the planet, released an earth-friendly Regen Ale. And it's R-E-Gen-G-E-N-Ale to its local beer uh, fans. As explained by Dogfish Head, the beer serves as the first traceably sourced beer to address climate change through agriculture using indigo carbon, a program that provides growers with a financial incentive to store carbon 
in their soils. The beer uh, release arrives in time for Climate Week, so it was released on the 21st to the 27th of September. So I'm a little late on that, but it's probably still out there. Uh, it's not the first time Dogfish Head has embraced and supported sustainability. In the last two years, the brand's restaurant became ocean-friendly certified by the Surf Rider Foundation. And I think I, I think I read about that last year. And its beer and benevolence program lent support to the Nature Conservatory and local waterways, as well as promoted bicycling and fishing conservation. Uh, and in 2016, Dogfish Head reclaimed the water used in the brew house to irrigate roughly 100 acres of farmland in an effort to uh, support in an effort to support sustainable agriculture practices. As a result, they harvested winter wheat from the land that benefited from the reclaimed water, and it was used as a wheat to produce a Belgian-style whipped beer. And you could see more of that on the Dogfish Head um, website. I want to just see maybe if I could see what beer is all about. Uh, they talk about how this is just a small step trying to get into the, trying to get, oh, it's a farmhouse style Saison, which is really, really cool. Uh, so see if you can get your hands on this. I'm not, I'm not saying with it. Regen Ale will be available on draft in a four pack, 16 ounce cans at the Dogfish Head Brewings and Eats in, uh, their location. It's in Delaware, I believe. Uh, starting Saturday on the 19th, packaging using biodegradable ocean-friendly beverage carriers, Six packs, uh, uh, four packs, 16 ounce cans, uh, $17. So you get those tall boy cans. Uh, and you know, if you could, if you're in the area and you're maybe if you're passing through, you know that you're going to be getting yourself uh, a pretty decent beer or a good beer, and you know that it's going to be helping the environment. What do we have here? This, this seems like it's going to be a long read, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this one next. Uh, this is vinepair.com, and this is a. This, I really want to focus in on this article, and I really want to get this article out there because uh, I do think that it's important because there is so much emphasis that's put on the Brewers Association, and I think for good reason. I mean, they're the biggest beer lobby, craft beer lobby that there is in America right now, maybe even in the world. Hang on, I just got to take a sip. And because of that. There's a lot of focus on them and stuff. So I want to read this article to you guys now. And I want to see how I feel about it, how you guys feel about it. So vinepair.com, uh, not heard, not supported, and let down how the Brewers Association has lost its way. Here we go here. This is from Beth Demon. Um, founded in 2005, the Brewers Association is a not-for-profit trade organization representing more than 5,200 breweries across the United States. Its proclaimed purpose is to promote and protect American craft brewers, their beers, and the community of brewing enthusiasts, including the nation's 46,000 home brewers, plus associated industry professionals such as wholesalers and retailers. Its stated values range from industry education to working to build uh, a collegial community of craft brewers, home brewers, and beer enthusiasts. Fostering unity, safety, and stewardship, while also lobbying the government running multiple major trade and consumer events, such as the Great American Beer Festival, the largest annual beer festival and competition in the United States, and acting as the de facto leader of the entire craft beer industry, are all admirable, albeit ambitious, uh, initiatives, and they uh, are accomplished by varying levels of success. I do think that that beginning is a very good synopsis of the of the, uh, the, the Brewers Association. Like, I do think that that's a pretty good, um, 
all-encompassing explanation of what they are. So, like, when you ever want to, like, say to yourself, what is this thing? Just, you know, listen back to this episode and hear that part. But in recent months, after massive layoffs, canceled events, and accusations of apathy towards racial injustices, the Brewers Association, like much of the industry it represents, is floundering. Most recently, complaints about the BA's lack of transparency and communication regarding unfulfilled diversity and inclusion event grants have raised cries for accountability toward the country's biggest craft beer advocacies organization. Uh, And while members and would-be grant recipients have remained relatively patient during the coronavirus pandemic, understanding these unique circumstances have created an unprecedentedly difficult landscape in which to operate. And that patience is wearing thin. Okay, okay, let's see what's going on here. Who does the BA actually represent? The Brewers Association has stated in the past that it works for voting brewery members. Membership types include breweries, distributors, distributors, excuse me, individuals, breweries and planning, allied trade, retailers, and educational institutions. Some take fault with this model, believing it prioritizes some breweries' voices over other members. Danny Oliver, owner and brewer at Island to Island Brewery in Fort Worth, Texas, says it is not equitable, 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 pardon me, or logical. He said the Brewers Association doesn't represent everyone in the industry. It represents membership, and membership comes comes in the forms of dollars, Oliver says, because brewery members pay um, dues based on barrel produced per year, and there's a calculator that does this. Oliver believes that this creates inequality, inequity, between higher-paying, quote, members who are paying tens of thousands of dollars based on the amount of barrels they're producing annually, end quote, and smaller breweries, comparatively, minuscule membership fees. Wow. She's been reluctant to call out this inequity because she says you can't move an inch if you lose access to the entire mile. Very interesting. I didn't really, th- I didn't really know this was going on. Bob Pease, Brewers Association President and CEO, someone addresses the disconnect between responsibility towards members and responsibility towards consumers and the industry at large. And he says, quote, we picture the future of the craft beer industry as one of a broader base of craft beer drinkers and diverse employees at all levels. And we know that getting there will be a collaborative effort between industry leaders, breweries and beer drinkers. Pease writes in a statement to Vine Bear, he cites recent organizational changes that, quote, demonstrate our move in this direction end quote, including a, a, the 2017 update to the marketing and advertising code created largely, uh, largely in response to the historic sexist objectification of women in brewery marketing materials, but conceivably could also cover additional problematic advertising methods considered to be racist or homophobic. In that uh, same year, pardon me, that burp kind of went along with the, uh, the article now, didn't it? That same year, the BA established the uh, Its Diversity Committee, and appointed its first and, to this date only, diversity ambassador, Dr. J. Nichol Jackson Beckham, who has held the position ever since. The BA has released a new complaint and remediation process for the Code of Conduct Violations on September 15th that lies out a disciplinary process for any member found in violation of the Code of Conduct. That is, as long as it took place after October, uh, August 6, 2020, when the code was initially released, and if the complaint is filed by a member of the Professional Brewing Division, the only subset of members authorized to make a formal complaint. Backlash from the too-little-too-late crowd was swift, and with social media posts calling for the update 
They were calling it pathetic, demanding Pease's resignation, and the more straightforward post, fuck the B.A. Uh, it gets a little long here. I will, I will post this article too. Uh, so you guys could take out the, check out the rest of it post uh, BA article. But I mean, I, I, I understand that there's like this, um, there is this push for social justice. I get that. I think it's really, uh, necessary and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if they're doing the proper diversity training and they're doing the proper, proper, if they're doing the proper, Jesus Christ, the proper um, examination of how to uh, be as inclusive as possible in what they're doing. I I mean, people saying that it's not enough. We are in a very tough time right now with the coronavirus. I mean, they had to cancel a lot of events and stuff like that. And I I, I mean, listen, you know, people complaining about the the, the way the money is dolled out and stuff like that. I mean, you need the, listen, the place, they need the money in order to function, in order to do the things they do want to achieve. If they're strapped for cash, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to do it, you know? So I, I, I understand the sentiment, but I do think it's, it just might be a little too aggressive. It might be a little bit too harsh. But then again, me saying that at all is probably controversial and ridiculous. So let me try to, um, let me take a step back from that before I, I get myself canceled. Like I said, also the cancellation of three beers in would be the biggest, uh, the biggest thing for three beers in, like it would definitely give me a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, publicity and it would get me, uh, actually thrusted into <clears throat> probably more stardom, even though I'm pretty freaking famous right now. So this is the last article I'm going to bring up here. And I think it's a, the most interesting one in terms of what exactly is going on. It's from Belgium. So I might, Oh Jesus, do I have to, Oh boy. I, I can't read Dutch. So I'm going to have to just, can I translate this? Can this be? Tr- nope, that's not the translate button. Can I translate this? Hoofdepunten. The fucking Dutch is weird, man. Really weird. But I, I can't. I mean, I can't read it because I can't. Like I said, I can't uh, speak Dutch. So I'm just gonna read the headline here, and it says the Trappist Brewery Rochefort, which has some of the most, um, some of the most sought after beers in the craft i mean not even not the craft community but just in the beer community like if i go to if i go here right now to um beer advocate i'm going to do this instead of reading the article because obviously i can't access the article if i go to the top rated beers um in beer advocate obviously you got the top 150 i mean excuse me the top 250 i'm going to go to styles here real quick let me see how quickly i could find belgian got dark ales here we go the first thing we have here is the Belgian double, and it has here the Trappist West Verlater number eight. Uh, this is the same brewery we're talking about here, this Trappist brewery. Oh, no, is this the same brewery, the Ro- Rochefort? Ro- Hold on, let me go to the double, because it, it's going to be in there. Again, I can't read Dutch, so it's hard for me to tell. Um, here it is. Here's the Here's the Trappist. Rochefort. So it's up there. It's, it's rated, uh, it's one of the highest, it's ranked number six, but uh, I mean, at one point, this is one of the most sought after, uh, beers, the number, the number eight, I think was one of the most, and the number six, you, you definitely seen them before. I, I, this is one of the first bottles I've ever saved because like it was the first beer that I ever had or ever heard of that was so sought after. So the Trappist Brewery, Rochefort or Rochefort, 
I don't know if that's even the, uh, they introduced their newest beer in 65 years with the triple extra. That is the headline. And then when you click on the article, it's all in Belgian, which I'm assuming is either German, French, or it could be Dutch. I think they also speak Dutch or something. So I can't, I can't read the article, but all I know is just like, I mean, it's a new Rochford beer in 65 years. That's pretty big news. So the biggest news, I can't even fucking read it because I'm, I'm not a world traveler like that and I can't do it. But let's have a little commercial, shall we? All right, everybody. I know it's the middle of the show, but I always forget to plug this show on my own show. Isn't that crazy? So check this out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could stop what you're doing, go down to the review and give me five stars, it would be really, really great. If you even want to drop me a line there, that'd be cool too. Don't forget, you can visit www.3beersin.com. That's with two N's at the end. Right there, you can find the contact tab. You click that, you can drop me a line. Question, comment, concern, anything. I'll try to get it on the show. Not to mention, also, on that main website, that's where you can hit the merch tab and buy yourself some awesome Three Beers In gear. You like hoodies? We got hoodies. You like just regular t-shirts? We got that too. We even have cases for your phone, man. Are you afraid of websites? Don't worry. You can always just Google Three Beers In. Don't forget the two ends at the end. And you can find my Facebook. You can find my Twitter. You can see that I'm on Untapped. And you can also find other platforms in which to listen. Did you know that we're on Spotify? After the many years of doing this show, what really makes it all worthwhile is the fact that I get to come on down here, drink some beer, and hang out with my pals. That's basically what it is. Everyone that listens to this show is a friend, is a family member. You guys are the reason I do it. Thank you so, so much. Share it to somebody else. Maybe they can get the feeling of the Gemunichite while we do it. Who knows? We shall see. But thank you all again so very much. Thanks for listening to this commercial. And let's get on with the show, shall we? going to jump right into this one here cosm of darkness um still working on the initial beer that i poured for myself right before i started recording um because it is that kind of a beer like you really you really have to sit down and just take your time with this beer and that is both good and bad okay it's really both good and bad because there's a lot of people who have stouts uh, that that aren't a fan of this type of power behind the beer, okay? So what happened was I busted this thing open and I started pouring it out and I literally just went, oh! Like I let out a gashry. It was a shriek, okay? I could not believe at the color and the thickness of this beer as it was coming out. I thought it was like I was pouring out straight molasses into the into the fucking glass here. Okay, you want to shock some of your friends? Bring this one along. Okay, I was completely shocked by the color and the thickness of the beer as it was coming out, and how it was just even like the little. I'm looking at the can right now. There's some of the beer like on, like you know how like the, there's like those crevices in the can. Like it's pitch black. It's almost as if like someone spilt milk chocolate on the top of this can. 
like milk chocolate syrup on top of the can there and left it. I mean, I'm just enamored by the color and the carbonation as I poured this out. You could hear the carbonation as you were like as you let the can um, as you let the glass sit. You heard it fizzling in the top, almost like you poured a a, a glass of soda. <clears throat> you know, it's really crazy that you can just hear that, and you don't expect the carbonation like that from the thickness and no head. By the way, it had about a half a finger ahead, and it was a dark copper, dark brown head, and it's just ba- it just basically went away really quick after that. And you could also see how many bubbles were going in throughout this thing, and it made me really excited. Now, it has warmed up quite a bit since being in the fridge. And now, the, the aroma is a little bit different, so I'm going to do this one in real time. I wrote initially that it was this typical stout aroma. It was earthy with a malty smell with no hop characteristics, and I could smell a little cinnamon with a little bit of sweetness. But now that it's much warmer, let me get a nose on it for you. It's such a it's such a unique smell. First of all, you do get a waft of alcohol in there on the aroma. I'm smelling like a licorice flavor, like an anise flavor, uh, I mean flavor uh, aroma, but it doesn't come through on the palate whatsoever. So that's an interesting thing that that it, that it smells like that. Yeah, I still got that cinnamon. I still get like a like a like a vanilla sweetness that's cinnamon sweet, almost like an allspice, like a spicy smell. Earthy smell to it. It's a it's a such a unique aroma now that it's warmer. Very earthy, very spicy. I mean, it smells like I'm I'm I I took like a fruit cake or something and I mashed it up and I and I added um, like a dark like a rum cake to it or something like a dark rum uh, to it and I heated it up in the microwave where it was nice and warm. It's got this very warm, inviting aroma. Like, I mean, that sounds kind of fucking disgusting, what I just said. But you do have like this, almost like this ginger quality going on here in terms of the the aroma that's going on there. And that that could be the the root, the the cassia root uh, bark. I'm sorry, bark. It's not even a root, but whatever. Um, It has that aroma to it. Um, And again, like I've been doing a lot of talking and a lot of less drinking, and now it's halfway in the glass. And uh, just turning the glass around, it coats the glass. This is one of the thickest beers I've ever had the the pleasure of drinking. But again, I could only, I think you could only have one of these. I think any more than one of these, and you're gonna feel ill. Okay, so let's get a sip here. It's basically room temperature now, and um, it does change a lot. It makes when it's warmer. The ABV comes in a little bit stronger. There is that alcohol burn, but it doesn't taste like booze. It has a boozy quality to it. You feel the heat. You definitely feel the heat, but this is unlike any stout that I've ever had in my life, okay? Now, again, I've had few and far between when it comes to the stouts, but like you could really differentiate between what we're having here right now and your typical stout. Um, It tastes like a cinnamon and spice in the front, like really strong, I think because the heat is there immediately. And then you get like a, I swear to God, and it's so interesting, you get like a vanilla root beer float-like flavor with a full, rich, creamy, sweet fruit finish that has a dry earthiness that creeps in. Like you physically can't take large sips of this because of how thick this beer is. It's one of the thickest, smoothest, velvety beers that I've ever had. It's like drinking a meal. 
Like I really get a root beer flavor. The cinnamon's there, the vanilla's there. And then there's a fruity flavor and that fruity flavor that comes in with the alcohol burn and then the earthiness of the, of I, I'm guessing that's the hops on the back end. Very, very good. Very, very good beer. It's it's quite sensational. It really is because it's hitting every, all of your senses. Um, difficult to drink. It's, it's one of those beers that's like, you can't just, oh, grab me the Cosm of Darkness. No, like you have to fucking, you got to sit down with this thing and you got to talk to it. You have to analyze it because it's analyzing you. Like this beer is a big, big beer. It's a big boy. It's a thick boy. It's a chunky boy. You can't just sit down and have these. So in terms of the style, one of the most unique stouts I've ever had. And there's also like a smoky flavor there too. Very flavorful, unbelievable in the flavorful department. A little strong. I mean, it is a double. It's an imperial stout. So, I mean, <clears throat> you get what you ask for with this one. So they're delivering on all cylinders here, firing on all cylinders. Really, really fantastic. Um, it's sensational, really and truly sensational. But when I put this up against Lucius, right, uh, from uh, Alchemist, um, that beer was a little bit more palatable in terms of just the drinkability of it. Uh, I just feel like that beer had a little bit, it was a little bit more refined. Uh, this thing is not that it's rough around the edges. It's just that there is so much going on that maybe if they didn't age it or something, or maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe that would have given you a different uh, flavor here. I just feel like this is too niche, you know, to beat Lucius, but I do feel that this is absolutely exceptional when it comes to uh, the rating I'm going to give it, and I do give it a 9.3 which is going to put it on the Mount Rushmore on the uh, guest tap portion here. And it's overtaking um, the, the clawful in the clouds, what I did last week, because that was um, that made it onto the guest tap. So overtaking collect uh, Life in the Clouds by Collective Arts. Cosm of Darkness. Cosm of Darkness, a collaboration between Timber Ales and the Eighth State which is coming out of New York, New York, to Timber Ales, and the eight states coming out of South Carolina. You have made it to the Mount Rushmore with this stout. It is absolutely fantastic. Lucius is a 9.7, and it's going to be really hard to, to dethrone that. You could, you Maybe for some you can do it. It could be a coin flip for some people in terms of like what they like in their stouts. I mean, like I'm pretty sure like if I put Lucius and... Um, and Cosmo Darkness in front of Rob, who is the big stout guy, he would uh, he'd probably prefer uh, the Lucius. And if I put this in front of Eric, who is also a stout guy but likes the sweeter stuff, he would prefer Cosmo Darkness. So I think it's a matter of of where you sit, and I kind of lean towards the classic stout flavors. Um, but still, a, an exceptional beer, sensational beer, nine point three on the uh, on the guest tap of the Mount Rushmore. Still nothing here on the uh, the lager. Still horns at the bar- holds at Barnegat. Ale is Alpha King, Stout, Lucius. They're still on that Mount Rushmore, baby. Here we are in Season 4. Thank you for listening. Hope you really enjoyed this show. Make sure you check out the articles that I'm going to post on the Facebook. I'm going to catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Be well. And cheers, everybody. Cheers.